Hey there, humans. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the show where we explore genre fiction through the lens of literature, film, and ridiculous conversation. Today, as always, at the end of the month, we are featuring an indie author. And our indie author today is Caitlin Brooke. Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, oh, uh, you guys is, is us. Usually I introduce uh, us as well. I'm Clay Vermolum. <laughs> yeah, come on, Clay. I'm I know. A, a host. I'm Travis Vermolum. <laughs> yeah, we're the hosts. No, we don't matter. We don't matter. Right? Who matters today is Caitlin Brooke, our featured author of the month. Indeed. Uh, so, Caitlin, you've written you've written some things. What 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 have you written? Uh, sure, I sure have. Um, my first one uh, it's actually called Dark Flowers. It's a dark fantasy horror, mm. um, and that one is set in the Louisiana swamps and in the um, the bowels of uh, this horrible orphanage. And these two friends, Eliza and Millie, are fed up with life there and all the 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 scary matrons and the nuns and they just want to get out Mm -hmm. so when they run away through the swamps they accidentally stumble into a um, fairy realm and then everything is gorgeous at first they see these beautiful silver creatures but then some uh secrets and memories start to be revealed and things get a little dicey (laughs) Oh, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds very. Cool. <laughs> and then your your second novel, uh, Wired, is what we'll mainly be talking about today. Could you tell us a little about that one? Sure. So that one came out in 2018, and it's set in 2031. So definitely not too far away. <laughs> and I was inspired by, you know, just going walking down the street going out to eat or just grocery shopping because all you see are people glued to their cell phones Mm. and people are walking their dogs they're looking at their phone they're riding their bikes they're looking at their phone children are being pushed in the stroller and the children have a tablet and i just want to take that a step further and say you know what this is going to do to our society and maggie is a uh, 25 year old um, you know, just having fun and she's finally getting her life together. She just got a brand new job as an agent at a publishing house. So she's thrilled, but all of her friends don't really care. They're still like kind of in that party phase and a brand new technology has just debuted called the Vertex H2. And this is a phone unlike anything you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Instead of like a handheld device, it's actually implanted into the back of your neck and these little sensors come out. It's so creepy. It looks like like the underside of a beetle with all these little legs and it connects to your brain stem and it puts the screen of the phone in your mind. So you never have to disconnect and it's like a half screen. So you can be functioning in the real world as well as constantly checking your social media, playing games and trying all the reality. And it's awesome. Everybody loves it. The Everyone is very, very excited for all these new capabilities. However, 
as Maggie starts to use it a little bit more, when she turns it off and takes it out, she starts suffering from these really bad withdrawal symptoms, similar to, you know, like a heroin addict would, you know, crazy visions and you know, nausea and vomiting. And hmm. and then she realizes she's actually addicted to this technology. I'm curious, um, did, was Dark Flowers also written in a first person perspective or was that a kind of no. a made for Wired? Yes, so Dark Flowers is third person. And I was going to do third person for Wired and I was like, you know what? It would be so much stronger for the reader to experience this first person because it's happening like to them. They can be inside Maggie's head while all of this is affecting her. Mm. I, I could definitely feel that too of like, I was like wondering what informed that decision because I think it was such the right decision of being in her head when she kind of has like the, in the first opening chapters, even just the inner thoughts about like her, her brother and her roommate, mm -hmm. like all the things. And you can kind of see how it's going to lead, how it would lead even like me, if I were in her shoes to make the same decision of like picking up the Vertex H2. And I thought that was really good. Thank you. I've, I've actually had um, a lot of readers reach out to me and they're like, I love the first person. And I, it's, I've had a lot of other people who like, no, I refuse to read first person because they don't like being in the head. Mm. But for this type of like thriller book, I think it, like you were saying, it works so much, so much better just because it really connects you to the characters. And a lot of people have said it, it, it felt like it, like it was written about them. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. reading their own life. <laughs> yeah. It's, Sci-fi is getting really interesting these days because mm -hmm. <laughs> we basically live in a sci-fi at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, we really do. There's so many things that like were predicted years ago and years and years ago by like Heinlein and Asimov that are basically happening, you know, mm -hmm. and it, ma it makes it a really interesting genre to write in because that social media addiction you're talking about is like, that's not made up at it's completely no. true. Like, I was a middle school teacher for a couple years, and oh. like from the time those kids get to school to, and literally any time they're not actively doing something else, they're just right to the phone, you know? Staring at the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing. I had to do a lot of research for Wired, and I actually found that um, people are going to rehab for cell phone addiction, Mm -hmm. And it, it causes insomnia, depression, and especially in young people creates because their whole life is centered around, you know, this post. And if nobody likes it or if it doesn't do as well as they hope, they their self-confidence just like dives and yeah. it, it, they, they just they can't exist without the screen. And most people, they won't walk, you know, five feet away from their phone because they, they start to panic if they if they can't find it. And it was it was shocking reading this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also the another element of that that I've read about is the constant comparison of yourself to like other people on social media. Yes, And it's like. That's never been a good thing, you know, no. to compare yourself to other people. I mean, that's why, like, magazines can be so harmful to, like, the image of young people, you know? And it's, like, tenfold in social media now. Yeah. And but, everyone's, like, everyone right now, they're just, all they're trying to do is just, I just need to go viral. I just need to go viral. And then that's going to, like, prove their self-worth. 
but then mm-hmm. yeah. one video that goes viral then what then they're constantly chasing it's like a high they're constantly chasing that next video that's gonna get a million views and they're that's what their whole life becomes centered around and they miss out on everything else and i think I thought that was another sort of like powerful element you weaved in there of having Maggie be in the publication industry. Cause I think that's kind of social media has begun to like dominate that of, I mean, I found like you and several other authors we've interviewed on, on like TikTok because that's yeah. just a platform you almost have to use now to promote yeah. yourself. So was like, and- was Maggie always written in the public publication industry or was that a later decision or where'd you come to that? No, I wanted her to to be in there just because I've I thought it would be funny because I've always been trying to, you know, get an agent. And mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm just going to be like, OK, fine. She's just going to be one. Um, <laughs> if I can't get an agent, I'll write my own. <laughs> I'll, I'll just write my own. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. So and, and I just thought it was cool because I liked um putting her into a position where, you know, if she wasn't just behind a desk, she wasn't just doing, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like, I don't know, like, like a cashier kind of thing. Like I wanted her job to have more consequences when mm. she started to spiral. Mm-hmm. More so people it's not only, involved with. Yeah. It's not only affecting her, but then the author that she's also responsible for. And then how it, how those consequences of like the drug addiction trickles down to other people. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So would you use the Vertex H2 if uh, <laughs> you had like no, this is not knowing about the addiction. Say it was the hot new thing on the market. Would you, would you uh, plant that but uh, that puppy in your in your brainstem? Um, I honestly, I if I did, I would have waited um years to to do it because even now, like. It, it took me, I don't know when TikTok started, but I just started doing it. And, and then my published me to do Twitter because I just, I don't like it. I, I don't like having to constantly be, be checking my phone and coming up with new content. Like it's exhausting mm. kids. And it's, it's really hard because I want to spend time with them and I don't like being on my phone in front of them. So mm-hmm. they, but my publisher was like, but you have to get out there. You have to put yourself on social media. And I was like, mm-hmm. fine. So I would probably try it, but I would wait a little bit. Once the price came down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, if you got the Verdix H2, you don't have to be on your phone around your kids, you know? <laughs> that That is true. Yeah. <laughs> I could just put it in and zone out. <laughs> yeah. You'd just be on TikTok all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so you wrote it in 2018. Was that sort of after or before your your um, publisher started kind of making this push for you to get on social media? It was actually before. Um, I was working in uh, at Fridays. I was just a waitress, and mm-hmm. all all I saw was these parents who would come in and they would have like two or three kids. Immediately, as soon as they sat down, they would just pull out their phone. And if the kids didn't have a phone, they would just be running wild around the restaurant, climbing over the booths, throwing the sugar packets. Uh, like I was just, I was so fed up with it. And there was no manners. No one knew how to, you know, interact face to face socially. Like, so 
that it was it was kind of born out of that and i really wanted it to address this in society because i had never read anything like that because all i've ever heard is how great it is and how wonderful you know the constant you know the, the encyclopedia is right in your hand so i wanted to kind of flip that and say okay well these are the dangers of social media mm-hmm. so i guess my follow-up then would be like after sort of getting pushed by publication as i feel like most authors are pushed these days to like you have to put yourself out there in the presence mm-hmm. has your mm-hmm. own reception of like your own book or like the way people receive your book changed at all have you seen now being more prominent on social media have you seen kind of your themes come to light in your own life or um notice not that i'm on you know social media now that i do spend a lot more time on it and you know, trying to do it, you you become a little bit more short-tempered with, you know, the stresses of reality because, oh, okay, well, I just have to do this thing online. So mm-hmm. I've noticed that in myself, especially with my children. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a lot of readers um, tell me they've been scared to read Wired because it's, it's like nonfiction nowadays. It is mm-hmm. amazing. And I've had, um, usually it's the older, um, older readers, and they really like it because they, you know, they don't really like the social media and they kind of agree with that point there that it's too much. And they're like, this, this is not this, you should not brand this as sci-fi. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is very, very much like a drug. It's very all-encompassing. I found that as well. I also hate social media. I barely even, I was on no platforms a couple years ago, but then I started writing mm-hmm. and taking writing seriously again. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I guess I have to do this. And then right. it's, it's crazy how you start like caring that you get likes. And I just hate that. I, I hate, I hate caring if I got likes. It's like so arbitrary and uh ridiculous to me but then at the same time it's real people on the other side of the phone you know it's real people engaging with your content and it's like you can't you can dislike it all you want but it is like those are other people and you have to like find a way to see that i think exactly the biggest thing that i don't like and how it's affected my life is my thoughts because i'm instead of like being in the moment i'm constantly thinking about future content like Mm -hmm. oh well this would be funny oh i could do this and i actually read about that um before they were talking about instagram and how well is this instagram worthy oh well what filter would i use on this and like that's all your thoughts are it's just and i've noticed that in my own self and i'm just like shut it off like stop thinking about this because and then you do all that work and it gets you know three likes and you're like okay great i wasted all that time and effort (laughs) (laughs) yeah because if you're not on there like every day then you might as well not be on there at all it's it's such a Mm catch-22 yeah and you like like i was saying you and you think you're being super creative and you get all these like voice changes and outfit changes and you pair it to some really funny funny bit and nothing and then you see someone who i don't know puts up a talking potato and it's you know a million likes and you're like why can't i do this <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel There's... like 
um, your book as well kind of touched on like it being a, a product, like the next big thing, the Vertex H2, yeah. of that that portion of what what has kind of changed about publication, or maybe not changed, but has always been there. Of like, at what point do you are you kind of just chasing the the publisher, chasing the publication rather than like writing for your own pleasure or like doing exactly. doing art because you love to do art? When social media comes in, sometimes it becomes like oh I'm just I have to promote myself in writing because I need to like make this more biddable I guess which I think you're both really yeah and that's a great point because that's like I think that exact thing is possibly the most damaging part of social media like overall like worse than the attention span decrease and everything is that it's this feeling that everything has to be a side hustle Mm. like you can't you can't just like be a climber. You have to like take all these pictures of yourself climbing mm-hmm. so people know you climb or like else why do it? Yeah. Like that joke, if it, if it's not on the gram, it didn't happen. Um, right. And it's like, or writing or art or whatever. Like it's okay to just do a thing for yourself and, and never share it with anybody. But that's, right. uh, and that's important to have something like that for yourself, I think. And social media... I think is sort of destroying that for a lot of people that that feeling that you can do that and just not and just do it for yourself. Exactly. Because other than like you said, like there's no validation anymore. If no one if no one likes it, then then what of me doing it? And it takes the pleasure. Right. And it's so sad. It it's just turning us into little machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's about as sci-fi as you could get in reality. <laughs> True. Um, there was there, one of my favorite scenes in Wired is when she's going back and she's actually using the the Nightwatch app, and it's where it records your dreams if you sleep with it in. So then you mm-hmm. can rewatch them. And she's looking at this one video, and it's just her running through a sea of mannequins, and. I thought that was so cool because it's basically what we are. Everyone's just a statue. We just stand there. There's, we we have absolutely zero expression on our faces because we're just staring down at a phone. And unless the phone tells us, you know, through the video, what we should be feeling, if it's, you know, something funny, if it's something angry or, you know, joyous, that's, that's how we get the emotions out. We, experience them organically anymore not on social media though on social media we're all profoundly happy higher beings <laughs> with really no moms ever yell at their kids <laughs> <laughs> no i only smile and hug my kids mm-hmm. that's, I, that's all we do <laughs> that's all that's all we do as a family we smile and hug and, and we gather enjoy gather <laughs> every yeah. thanksgiving is the perfect thanksgiving yeah, yes. got everybody there. <laughs> everybody wants to be yeah. there. It's great. And that goes back to what you were saying before, how then everyone compares themselves. Because I found myself doing that. I'm like, because I yell at my kids. I go crazy. Mm-hmm. And yet, everyone who I see on social media, it's just all this happiness. And their children are just running in the breeze. And they listen to everything they say. And... <laughs> it's, it's it's not it's a filter it's like the happiness filter <laughs> mm-hmm. it's that or it's like the dark and serious filter 
or you really got something to say, you know? And there's always yeah. a lot of that too. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just interesting. It's an interesting world. We used to, uh, if you wanted like the whole world to read something you had to say, you used to have to kind of be an expert on it or at least have a way to publish something effectively, which in a way is like being a marketing expert or at least knowing a marketing expert. Um, right. But now literally anybody, literally anytime can just blast the whole world with their opinion. So it's quite, yeah. a, quite a thing. Yes. <laughs> I think your, your book really draws a lot into that and that addiction portion and sort of it was it's enjoyable to have begun it i've read uh the beginning portions and following maggie is a joy so i'm i'm very excited to to keep keep on with her journey oh cool i'm so glad you like it that's awesome to hear speaking of following maggie we're gonna do a little bit of that on the podcast here today we're gonna read an excerpt from wired so let's get into that I have at least eight minutes on the train. I sink lower on the hard bench, my back sliding down the smooth wall. The itch on my hand intensifies, spreading upward to my forearm. I try my best to pull the heavy fabric of my coat out of the way, but my fingers can only follow the itch so far. Just ignore it. You'll be able to connect soon, and it will go away. But I'm not connected now, and the itching doesn't stop. It grows. Infecting my other arm, my leg, my stomach, my chest, my forehead, the skin behind my ears. It's as if I rolled through an entire field of poison ivy before boarding the train. I do my best to ignore it, but I can't. The boiling temperature of the train car sends the itching into overdrive. I dig my nails into my left wrist, scratching and ripping in an attempt to rid my body of the colony of fire ants tunneling through my veins. My jagged nails tear the soft flesh and warm liquid builds under the damaged carotene. Still, I don't stop. If I can only reach the ants. Ew, Mama, look! A little boy with white blonde hair points at me. She's eating her arm! I pay no attention to the child. My teeth are so much more effective than my flimsy nails. I spot the queen of my army and bite into my skin, grabbing her crunchy body between my teeth and rip her from my flesh. Sliding my teeth back and forth, I separate her thorax from the abdomen. Her head and wings tumble to the floor, bouncing off the edge of the bench and roll to a stop several feet away. I spit the large abdomen to the right, watching with glee as it bounces off another passenger and disappears from sight. All right. As for the rest of you, I snap, turning my attention to the remaining ants. Get out. I turn my left hand upside down and shake it. A shower of red sprinkles across the white laminate floor along with hundreds of tiny black bodies, all lost without their queen. Now that the itching has stopped, I can relax. I look around and realize that all the other passengers that once surrounded me have gone. We must have hit more stops than I thought. I hope I didn't miss mine. My mind tries to link into the subway map, but without my vertex, I'm left staring at the gray wall opposite me. That was an excerpt from Wired by Caitlin Brooke, our author 
interview of the month. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Where can people find you and your books and uh, your own social media accounts <laughs> and such to sort of get the sure. next information? My books um, at my publisher's website, it's bhcpress.com. Uh, they are also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's website. Uh, and then for my social media, <laughs> I have use all of them. Um, I'm on Facebook at um, Caitlin Author, Twitter, Caitlin Brooke. So on recently joined to TikTok, <laughs> Caitlin Brooke Author, and then uh, Instagram as well. That one's Author Caitlin Brooke. <laughs> all righty. All right. Make sure to check out Caitlin Brooks' several social medias and also her books. More, more importantly, please read her books as they have some amazing themes and cool thriller dark aspects that are just an instant attention grab and very entertaining. Thank you so much for joining us today, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This was such a blast. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you. And that was another episode of Sinister Soup the podcast where we talk about genre fiction through ridiculous conversation and sometimes awesome author interviews. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Travis Vermullum. I've been Clay Vermullum. And we are both still those people.